Section 9 of G. K. Chesterton in America A Catholic Review of the Week. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Larry Wilson. G. K. Chesterton in America A Catholic Review of the Week by G. K. Chesterton. The Slime from the Dragon there are walking about the earth at the present day two distinguished gentlemen they have nothing whatever to do with each other they have probably never clapped eyes on each other quite possibly never heard of each other they are of different generations different social atmospheres utterly different interests if they have realized each other at all nothing would give them more exquisite agony than to be classed together i propose therefore to do so and i propose to prove that these two eminent gentlemen though they are under the illusion that they have never met are as a matter of fact constantly conspiring together plotting the destruction of christian europe the first one of the conspirators is the anglican dean inge of st paul's cathedral london the second mr lawrence binion that admirable poet mr binion's case is the more interesting yet i find dean inge's the more puzzling dr inge appears to have said in a recent sermon that western democracy is rushing upon destruction because some races of the extreme orient will do much more work and ask much less wages than the poorer citizens of our civilization this is true enough of course and there does not seem to be much difficulty about the matter men of the far east will submit to very low wages for the same reason that they will submit to the punishment known as lee or slicing for the same reason that they will praise polygamy and suicide for the same reason that they serve their temples with prostitutes for priests they do it that is because they are heathens men with traditions different from ours about the limits of endurance and the gestures of self-respect they may be very much better than we are in hundreds of other ways and i can quite understand a man though hardly an anglican dean really preferring their historic virtues to those of christendom a man may perhaps feel more comfortable among his asiatic coolies than among his european comrades and as anglicans are allowed the broadest thought in the church of england dr inge has as much right to his heresy as anybody else it is true that as dr inge says there are numberless orientals who do a great deal of work for very little money and it is most undoubtedly true that there are several high-placed and prosperous europeans who like to get their work done and yet pay as little as possible for it but i cannot make out why with his enthusiasm for heathen habits and traditions the dean should wish to spread in the east the ideas which he has found so dreadfully upsetting in the west if some thousand years of paganism have produced the patience and industry which dean inge admires and if some thousand years of christianity have produced the sentimentality and sensationalism which he regrets the obvious deduction is that dean inge would be much happier if he were a heathen chinese instead of supporting christian missions to korea and japan he ought to be at the head of the great mission for converting the english to taoism or buddhism there his passion for the moral beauties of paganism would have free and natural play his style would improve 
his mind would begin slowly to clear, and he would be free from all sorts of little irritating scrupulosities which must hamper even the most conservative Christian in his full praise of sweating and the sack. His profession and predilections are hardly consistent. In Christendom he will never find rest. The perpetual public criticism and public change, which is the note of all our history, springs from a certain spirit far too deep to be defined. It is deeper than democracy. Nay, it may often appear to be anti-democratic, for it may often be the special defense of a minority or an individual. It will often leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost. It will often risk the state itself to right a single wrong and do justice though the heavens fall. Its highest expression is not even in the formula that all men are created free and equal. Its highest expression is rather in the formula of the peasant who said that a man's a man for that. If there were but one slave in England, and if he did all the work while the rest of us made merry, this spirit that is in us would still cry aloud to God night and day. Whether or not this spirit was produced by a creed which postulates a humanized God and personal immortality, it works by that creed. Men must not be busy merely like a swarm, or even happy merely like a herd. It is not the question of men, but a man. A man's meals may be poor, but they must not be bestial. There must always be that about the meal which permits of its comparison to something holy. A man's bed may be hard, but it must not be abject or unclean. There must always be about the bed something of the decency of the deathbed. This is the spirit that makes the Christian poor begin their terrible murmur whenever there is a turn of prices or a deadlock of toil that threatens them with vagabondage or pauperization. And we cannot encourage Dean Inge with any hope that this spirit can be cast out. Christendom will continue to suffer all the disadvantages of being Christian. It is Dean Inge who must be gently but firmly altered. He has absent-mindedly strayed into the wrong continent and creed. I advise him to rid himself of it. Enter the second conspirator. I have already mentioned that my quarrel with Mr. Binion is not only as black as my quarrel with Dean Inge, it is the same quarrel. They are both engaged in praising the East and praising it for the same wrong reason. Dean Inge has put his praise into a sermon. Mr. Binion has put his into a book, The Flight of the Dragon, which I have just finished reading. For the truth is that no one could ever have come to talking such heathen nonsense as Dr. Inge talks if he were not subconsciously but substantially supported by a great mass of modern culture and the modern spirit which backs him up is the spirit with which our best artists will flirt from time to time, as Mr. Binion does. That oriental idea of universality, which is really negation of everything which is the nothing. Says Mr. Binion, Nothing hurts, for nothing matters. And again, Separateness is death, union with all forms of energy, true life. To which I can only reply with decision, nay, violence, that separateness is life. I shall have union with all forms of energy when I begin to rot. Pestilence, which is one form of energy, may come out of my corpse to blast mankind. I can prevent it coming while I am separate and have a soul. Of course I think I shall have a soul after death, 
but we need not go into that just now. The immediate point is this, that only because our artists play with the Eastern notion of the extinction of all desire is it possible for unhappy Anglican deans to play with the Eastern idea of the approximate extinction of wages. No priest would have dared to praise Oriental slavery until the poets had begun to praise Oriental pessimism. I know all about the dragon, whose flight Mr. Binion justly admires. I know that it is a vast, gorgeous, and graceful dragon. I know it wishes to absorb us all into itself, like most dragons. But I do not like the dragon. I would rather wait for St. George. End of section 9